0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic.
1: The only way to
2: score is, of course, to play uh, with a break off.
3: Hello, I'm Ian Stone. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. We'll be talking the win over Leeds. Art will be sending us a voice note about the women's splendid comeback victory over Man City. Uh, and we'll get into coping mechanisms for the business end of the season when you're going after one of the big prizes. I'm joined by Amy Lawrence and Adrian Clark. Good morning. Hiya. Good morning. Hello. Now, before we start, on the back of Mikel Arteta saying that he had very wild dreams, we were wondering what our <laughs> guess wildest dreams might be, but I hadn't realised they had to be football related. Uh, so we're not going there, okay? Uh, uh, let's, be, let's also be fair. We all know what our wildest football dreams are at the yeah. moment. Can, um, I just,
2: can I just tell you very quickly, I, I for years after I left Arsenal, I did have very vivid dreams that I made one more appearance. And it was... It was freaky. Like, it was so real in terms of, like, the players and being in the dressing room. And it was one of those where I used to wake up. And it used to be the same one over and over. And I used to wait. I used to. I, no, I don't know. It was more about the build-up to the game. But I was in the team, picked by Arsene Wenger. And it was about the sort of build-up to the game as much as the game itself. And I would wake up thinking... Did I actually get a 10th first team appearance or not? Am I stuck on nine?
3: I used to doubt yeah. myself. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I like it's interesting the fact that you had football-related dreams, but you actually played the game. So it's a slightly <laughs> different thing from my football-related dreams. Amy, did you ever have a, a dream when you're playing, where you were playing football? Oh, um, I'm not sure uh about that. Um, but no, when you
1: were talking about, I think we all know what uh, what everybody's footballing dream is. I, I actually, I'm going to um, mention a question that uh, one of my sons put to me the other day and I, I, it was one of those where he said, oh no, like, would you rather? And it was, would you rather win the league this season, guaranteed, or win the Champions League next season, guaranteed, but not win <laughs> in the, in the league this year. To get... And I...
3: We're not doing. I this. thought, oh my god!
1: <laughs> yeah. And I think I know what mine is, but it might not be the same as.
3: Are we answering that? Else's. I mean, are well, we actually answering? Do you, have
1: you got have you got a got a feeling on it, or should we just throw it out there for listeners to
2: ponder?
3: Well, all right, Adrian. I mean, that's it is an. I'd interesting rather win question, the league. Adrian. Would you? I've got to be
2: honest. I'd rather yeah. win the league. Yeah, because because especially with with what we're competing against financially. Um, in Manchester City and given how long it's been and the the almighty stick that we've all been given down the years for you know during the 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 barren years I just think winning the league would be would would give me personally a, a sweeter feeling um Champions League you can get there by luck can't you a little bit with the draw and whatnot but you know if you win the title it's uh yeah, it's, it's
3: sad. And he didn't say, your son did not say that we might not win, that we wouldn't win the Champions no, it was League an if either we or. league this no, year. No,
1: he didn't say that. That, that no. is fair. So, but he well, kind I'll take of implied the the it was league. either or.
3: No, I'm okay. not having that. I'll take the chance of winning the league and then we'll be in the Champions <laughs> League and then we'll see what happens, <laughs> won't we? Maybe we'll get a bit of luck. Did, okay. you, did you come you know up with an answer, by the way?
1: I, I, I felt like uh, I could tear my insides <laughs> out over this one. It, it, it was so difficult. <laughs> yeah. And actually, in my... Uh, you know for others for uh, I'd like to win the league uh, who have never seen us win the league before but in a mm. purely selfish way having seen that mm. myself and s- experienced how close and 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 kind of heartbreaking it was in 2006 and it's the one real major omission on the on the club's
4: CV
3: I found it hard to look beyond yeah. the champions yeah. league
4: I
2: get it yeah. oh.
3: Well, we'll have this conversation next year. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, shall we we do that? Uh, We also had news, by the way, this week that our very own James McNicholas and his missus uh, had their first uh, child. Uh, He's written a rather beautiful thread on Twitter uh, on his personal James McNicholas feed. Uh, But as he hasn't named the child, we thought we'd offer offer our own advice as to what uh, to name him. Uh, Adrian. Uh, who of the current squads would you name your child after? We can do men and women here, by the
2: way. <laughs> I think, do you know what? I think I think Mick, Super Mick, Super Mick Arteta. I just get this ringing in my ear all the time, and, and my kids are, are yeah. can't stop singing it. We've got Super Mick Arteta. And, yeah, I think Mick is a bit of an old-school name. Bring it back into fashion. Um. So, yeah, what I thought here... Quite a strong name, Mick Martin Granite Clark. I think that's got a nice little ring to it, hasn't it?
1: <laughs> but but it, it, in James's case, do you think Mick?
2: McNicholas oh, that'd be even better. Too, uh... <laughs> it's like Boaty McBoatface, isn't it, Mick McNicholas? Yeah, br- <laughs> sounds true. like an act. Sounds like a film star, Mick McNicholas, or maybe a, a future a wrestler, a wrestler. Yeah, a WWE. I
3: a <laughs> <laughs> I think, and because it's funny, because we did all think. Because I thought Bukayo, obviously, but Bukayo McNicholas. It's a bit too much. I don't know. There's a bit too much going on. It's isn't got it, to be really. Mick McNicholas um, now. I can't can't be
2: anything else. <laughs>
3: Mick McNicholas is is very very nice. I, I I did actually have a text conversation and we were talking about uh, uh, Gabriel or Gabriel or whatever because there are three. There are three in the team, so it does cover, you know, uh, more than a quarter of the team. Yeah. Well, uh, well don't you- bother asking me because you've just uh, you've just nicked my answer. <laughs> so cheers, Ian. Um,
0: uh, I think oh. uh,
1: I think. It, it, in, although I do like Mick, Mick Nicholas, uh, yeah. I also just want to take this moment to really send so much love from all of us at Handbrake um, and outside in the wider Arsenal family to James and Camille and Camille and yeah. uh, and baby possibly Gabriel. Nick, uh, Gabrielle Obakaya. <laughs> but um, just on the subject of names, of Arsenal-related names, just throw in a few little stories that I remember from yesteryear, which I always found quite tickled me. Uh, one was there was a, a lad at the absolute height of Ian Wright's supremacy as a player uh, who was called Ian Wright, but was like a little skinny white ginger fella <laughs> who couldn't have been less like... Ian Wright, right, right. right. Um, if he'd have tried, but that we always love that one. <laughs> and there was also someone I believe who changed their name by Deedpole to include all the Christian names of the 1989 title-winning side. And then finally, the the bloke who rather cleverly, who was uh, banned and vetoed by his wife from any Arsenal-related nomenclature, decided to to persuade her. Successfully to use the name La Nezra for their daughter, which wow. of course is Arsenal spelt backwards. So quite clever wow. from him.
3: Uh, Someone who sits near me at the uh, at the ground, uh, he uh, he tried to put, do all sorts of Arsenal names and uh, his missus were, wasn't having it. But he managed uh, Gilles uh, after Grumondi <laughs> He managed Gilles. No. I don't... <laughs> which I think he said oh she didn't know she didn't know uh that uh, that that was an arsenal player so I was allowed to get away with that. uh and of course I had the discussion with my missus but um, that wasn't that was only going to go one <laughs> way so uh, I, Liam Liam or Charlie and my first arsenal heroes but we weren't having that so uh, uh yeah um there is something though Amy sorry I just there is something about passing on that sort of whole arsenal thing to your kids, especially at the moment, isn't there? Uh, I mean, Amy, your, your two kids are living it just like uh, just like the rest of it, just like the rest of us.
1: Yeah, in fact, it's a, it, I think I had a moment of clarity over the weekend where I it suddenly, my, let's just say foibles, should we say, about how I'm handling this season, my idiosyncratic kind of neuroses is... Um, all became clear and I was talking to a a, a guy I met who recently became a father and and he was saying how beforehand when he didn't have kids he was quite emotionally sort of uh, robotic he said he didn't used to show or feel many emotions like even if somebody in the family passed away or something he he wouldn't cry he just didn't have that in him and he said since he (laughs) Since he had his daughter, he's like waterworks, like (laughs) all the time, cannot stop crying, like totally different feeling uh, about his emotions. And it's quite astonishing how overwhelming your kind of, your love can be. It's 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 unlike any other love you experience in your life when you have your own child. And I suddenly understood that the reason that this season sort of feels I'm so petrified of the the hope and dread all kind of clashing together in this way is for my kids. It's because I want them to feel what I've been lucky enough to experience myself when your team wins the league and you feel like the best and you love them. You love the team so much. You just feel blessed and you're with it every single second of every day. And uh, that's why I'm so nervous of, (laughs) of getting too carried away. Not for me, but for them.
3: Adrian, you you recently took your kids to the Arsenal for the first yeah. time, right? Yeah. And so you 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 want them to have that same hope Absolutely. and dread that Amy yeah was they're indoctrinated
2: about. now. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> this is their first season, really taking a, a keen interest in football, and um, yeah, they've got to see got to see the Arsenal in the flesh. It was so it was so funny. They were are so buzzing. It was ridiculous, and <laughs> and they were brilliant during the show. They kept quiet. But but yeah, the um, the excitement was overload, too much as it turned out for young Ted, who fell asleep during the second half and didn't <laughs> didn't wake up for yeah. Granit Xhaka's fourth goal. So yeah, he slept right yeah. through that celebration, and I've got the video on my phone to show him when he's a member of the Ashburton Army in about, seven, to, you know, 15 years' time. I'm going to say, look, mate, first time you went, you weren't quite so lively.
3: Well, I think not only should you show it to him, you should show it to the whole of the Ashburton Army, just uh, uh, because I think he'd really appreciate that. Uh, anyway, anyway... Uh,
1: oh, sorry. Amy, go on. Just uh, shout out to Red Action this week. Actually, the um, the new flag, the Vamos, Vamos uh, Mikel Arteta flag, is a really great addition. It's great to pre-match. So, uh,
3: shout out to them for some really good work. Nice work, and it takes a bit of work there. I saw the tweet talking about how much work it takes. So that was that was great, and it gave us all a good feeling.
0: I have very wild dreams. <laughs>
3: Arsenal four Leeds one, comfortable in the second half. Adrian, some of these stats thirty four points ahead of Chelsea. And oh, by the way, that's funny, isn't it? What's happening at Chelsea? What's happening at Tottenham is funny. What's happening at Chelsea? A mate of mine said that hardly anyone is enjoying their football at the moment. I think we've hoovered up all the joy, haven't <laughs> I think we,
2: Adrian? So. Yeah, I mean it is remarkable. Yeah, when you when you read those stats in, in black and white, it's yeah, it's, it's just a very special season, isn't it? Yeah, but yeah, but yeah. Manchester City, our principal rivals for for the Trucker Trucker, um, they're not having a bad season. They're having a standard Manchester yeah. City season. They're they're every bit as brilliant as they usually are. So the fact that we've catapulted ourselves to their level is, is just astonishing.
3: Yeah, and we are and we are. I mean it was so it was so interesting, wasn't it, Amy? Uh, you know, they win four one. Uh, in the morning, they beat Liverpool, obviously. It's a very, very good team and they crushed them. And we just went, well, we're not having that. And we go and win 4-1 as well. There was something, there was a bit of a statement there, don't you think?
1: I think Arsenal were thinking about Arsenal. Oh, I, I think, think the they were as well. the game against Leeds had uh, very little bearing on that. Uh, I think the Ben White philosophy of, uh, I don't care <laughs> about <laughs> other football. Yeah, I don't watch football, so. Seemed great, to be, um, you know, the way they were, they... Were and are handling it, which is a good thing. I don't think Arsenal needed to make a statement. I don't think they need to make any more statements. I think they just need to concentrate on getting as many points as they can game by game. And I know that
3: sounds boring, but it's the only way. No, that is true. Uh, this half-time thing, Adrian, you did a, a stat about how we come out in the second half. And we score goals, a lot of goals, in the 45th and 60th minute. Some of that must be down to Mikel Arteta's tactical changes and tweaks and the team talk. But what is going I th- on? I
2: think he has to take a lot of credit for that, actually. I mean, half-time is, is the moment for the manager to step up and to... Either lift the players or gee them up or calm them down or just reorganise. That's their moment where they can impact the game. And the stats are amazing, really. We've scored 17 goals in the 15 minutes after half-time. Manchester City have scored 15, so they're they're very strong there. No one else has got more than nine. Uh, Brighton, nine. Spurs, nine. Liverpool, Man U, Newcastle, Fulham, seven. Now, so we're, he's got 10 more goals in that period than than any of those teams I don't think that's a coincidence I don't think that's just yeah anything other than than the fact that Mikel is is having a positive impact on the players
1: Adrian, I'm just trying to think back to the um, All or Nothing documentary and from memory most of the team talks and stuff seem to be either before the game or after but I'm wondering what kind of half-time manager Mikel is and if you know, because, I mean, famously, Arsene used to have these periods of silence and quiet reflection. And, you know, there would be this long period where nobody would say anything and everyone would just sort of like decompress a bit. And he kept it very chill in half time. And, and Emery, I presume, used to sort of babble away, giving a bunch of instructions. And there was just some, you know, you know quite a lot of generic confusion at the time. But yeah, uh, uh, any ideas? Do you know what kind of, how he might approach halftime?
2: I don't know for a fact, if I'm honest. That's the honest answer. But I I, I've, I, know a lot of coaches outside of Arsenal and managers. I've spoken to a lot of assistant managers in the last couple of years. And the running theme, whenever I ask them about halftime, is that almost all clubs now, the management group have three, of, three or four minutes to themselves with the analyst to talk about what they what the key messages are, so they let the players settle down, they get themselves a drink, they sit down you know, and chat amongst themselves then he comes in with the key messages that's that's agreed via everybody else. that seems like it's the way that most teams do it, and I wouldn't imagine it's too too different for Arsenal so yeah, I don't think he will be sat, stood there for fifteen minutes. It'd be more like three or four minutes with key messages um to individuals and and the team, but they'll be based on what he feels about the game, but also what's gone on in terms of the analysis side. So yeah, it's, um, but whatever they're doing, it's working, it's isn't, working it? isn't it? Because that is, that is astonishing. I was, I was looking at time frames in, in general um, on the back of doing that tweet. And yeah, I mean, there isn't a period really where Arsenal go going to a lull. I think the, the next 15 minutes is our weakest in the season, sort of the hour mark to 75 Minutes, but in the final fifteen minutes of the campaign, we're eleven three up on goal difference. Yeah. Manchester City are minus one in the last fifteen minutes of matches this season. So I'm just going to chuck that out there. I don't know, uh, you know, it doesn't mean anything, but it, it what it tells you is that they haven't finished games as strongly as we have.
1: Or oh, they've done the job already and then they just Quite possibly. And... Quite
2: possibly. Yeah, yeah.
3: Well, there is that, of course. Uh, let's talk about Gabriel Jesus. Two goals at the weekend. So pleased for him. After he scored the first one, after the penalty, uh, Tayo, who was sitting behind me, who used to produce this podcast, said, now we need one from open play from him. That's what we need. And uh, he did that as well. He's, he's got that swagger again, hasn't he, Amy? He's got that... He just looks fit and focused and ready. He really wants to contribute, doesn't he? Because he feels like he's missed out on so much. Since he came, he has exhibited
1: a certain type of leadership, not necessarily a verbal leadership, but a leadership on the pitch in in terms of how he conducts himself, his energy, his determination, his will to win. And that had a kind of infectious quality at the beginning of the season and I think that uh, bringing that back in you know he will have like any injured player it's hell you know the months out and the rehab is 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 only difficult and frustrating and I think he will be feeling that he's got to make up for a bit of lost time Uh, even you don't I don't know how much he's motivated individually by sort of goals and uh, numbers and stuff like that. But, you know, he's coming back into the team and Martinelli and Saka and Odegaard are all in double figures and he's a little bit behind still because, uh, you know, that's the way that it's gone. So whether he's thinking, I need goals or whether he's thinking, I just need the team to win and I'll do what I can to help, I'm not sure where he is on that spectrum. Um, Maybe both. Uh, but yeah, it was it was brilliant to see him back, and it was also brilliant to think that you could rest Bako Saka, and have this slightly enhanced flexibility amongst the front line, where you feel that, you know, if you interchange sort of any three of of that front four, if you like, Martinelli, Jesus, Saka, and Trossar, that you know it's going to do damage, and they're going to hurt teams, and they they all feel comfortable with each other. Obviously, that's the first time that Jesus has played with Trossard, more or less, um, you know, for any degree of time. So that's a new relationship. And, you know, they did pretty well for that goal and open play, didn't they? So that encourages as well.
3: Quite. Um, I mean, on, on Gabriel Jesus, um, he's found the net in 52 Premier League games for City and Arsenal, won 49 of them, <laughs> and drawn the other three. We like him scoring. Keep, keep scoring, Don't son. we, Adrian? Yeah, we keep do. scoring. Keep scoring.
2: I love that second. Well, I loved both the goals, actually, because obviously the penalty was all of his making, wasn't it? Through through sort of genius skill inside the box, leaving two defenders for dead, forcing a, a daft mistake from 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 Luke Ailing who sort of sticks dangles his leg in the air and just prods him in the knee and it, it Thanks Luke. Yeah. Once a gooner, always a
3: gooner. <laughs> exactly. We appreciate it. I
2: that. mean poor old Luke. I was going back over <laughs> pouring over the game and I've analyzed it to do a breakdown and
3: he had a rough game. I
2: mean me. yeah <laughs> almost all of the goals involved Luke Luke not being great. But <laughs> I like him as well. but I love the second go I love Jesus' second goal because rather than popping up on the left as he so often does and did in this game he starts on the right and he just drifts into this little half-space pocket to receive the ball. He turns and then there's a ping, isn't there? Into the feet of Trossard. It's a really good pass. Trossard receives it amazingly and does his thing. And then the desire to make that angled run to join in to get on the end of the cutback. It For me, when I think of Jesus, that's the kind of goal that I imagine him, him scoring, really. So yeah, it was really, really nice to see. And I thought... I thought he was great throughout the game and I particularly liked the fact that he was back on the edge of his own back edge of his own box making tackles. And what about that moment by the corner flag where he wins the ball and then it's going out for a throw in or something and he, he full on slides and hooks it to keep the ball in play. I mean, just ridiculous work ethic really from him Um a real cr- crowd pleaser.
3: Yeah, and uh, and yeah, uh, Amy, in terms of leaving uh, Bakayo on the sub's bench, I mean, there was talk about him um, possibly not feeling particularly well uh, the day before. Uh, I mean, if you're going to rest him for any game, Leeds at home's not a bad one, right?
1: Was he not feeling well, or was it just playing too much for him? No, no, he nights? was unwell.
2: He was unwell. Yeah. Mm, <laughs> <really? Good laughs> no, 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 that's what. Well, I heard it from various sources on the day. <laughs> <laughs> it said that, that they'd kept that on the lowdown, but yeah, I. Um,
1: but, but, still, but well good, enough to come it? on. I mean, if you're not well and we're, you know you're thrashing leads at home, why do you need to bring him on? And you could have brought on others. I think. Yeah, what's, 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 I think. Mikhail, what's the thinking behind that? I
2: think Mikel likes to keep players ticking over. is, is my general thought. Yes. I just, I, I just think he wants them to. And, and after the game, by the way, he ran. He ran after the game. he came on for half an hour, and he did run in with the subs. So um he was he was striding up and down the pitch so he was clearly feeling well enough to be involved in the match day squad. So yeah, it which is great.
3: Martin Odegaard uh with an absolutely sumptuous pass to Granite Xhaka uh for that fourth goal who by the way said he promised his wife a goal for her 30th birthday. Um <laughs> What sort of present is that? Just by the way, do you ever promise a goal for a, for a birthday to your misses? That,
2: that would I mean, mean absolutely nothing. I've got to be honest. I promise. I promise not to forget a birthday. That's about, that's about as far as it goes, really. Well, <laughs>
3: we appreciate the present, Granite. We genuinely do. Seven goals, Amy, for Granite Jacker. Just quietly going about his business. It's great, isn't I'm it? I'm just wondering um,
1: if there's a, a you know anybody out there who needs to send a message to Granite that they have a birthday on Sunday. You know, <laughs> we can just continue this going for the remainder of the season. Um, yeah. But uh, it was funny because because where uh, I was sitting in the North Bank lower tier, um, Granite's positioning in that second half was right in front of us, as uh, so we're slightly to the side of the goal that, where he's playing. And he must have made that run or a similar run. That's what you said. So 20 times, I don't know. Uh I just kept noticing it out of the corner of my eye. He kept making this little drift where he was in uh, acres of space and in between Mm. whichever Leeds players were sort of around in that area. And the ball just just wasn't coming, and there were a few opp- opportunities. And he t- did a little dart into space. No, nobody saw the run, and the ball didn't come. And so when when it finally did, I thought it was a really good lesson for you know any young players out there about how you've just got to keep making runs, and even if you don't get found nine times out of ten, you might get found the last uh, on the tenth one, and that will make all the difference. So it was a, a nice sort of example of that kind of perseverance keep doing the right things on the pitch
3: and he's been doing that all season hasn't he Adrian mm. that's the point all season and seven goals like I say uh, I mean we like I say we, we haven't mentioned Granite really much on this podcast the last few months because he's just been co- just doing his thing doing
2: his thing yeah exactly I think yeah just a excellent end product now he loves the new role it was a brilliant header wasn't it as, oh. as superb as the cross oh, was perfect. and it was a peach of a cross but the timing of the jump, the you know the the execution of the header was was perfect, and isn't that th- three successive games now? I think he scored in for Arsenal. He also scored for Switzerland while he was away on international duty. So he is absolutely loving life, isn't he? And I got the program in front of me, and he's doing that, he's doing that 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 crazy yeah. celebra- well funny celebration sort of poke you know with his. Thumb on his nose. He didn't do that one for his for his wife. I noticed. So, so the previous goals were for for the kids, and this one was, this one was for Mrs. Xhaka. Well,
3: if there's any war, if there's any more, there's any more uh, Xhaka relatives out there, you know, <laughs> goals for them would be great. Uh, by the way, it also in the international break, did a pass, a sumptuous pass uh, for a goal, uh, for an assist for a goal that is just definitely worth seeing. There's, there is something about the way the ball hits the ground and holds up. And, uh, and the forward runs onto it and buries it. Um, anyway, uh, oh, one minor irritation, I suppose, the fact that we let in another goal. Um, Rambo looked frustrated again. Uh, Adrian, does it matter really? I mean, if we're scoring, the number of goals we're scoring, obviously we'd like to keep clean sheets, but it, it, this team are going to give up chances, aren't they? Yeah, in, in the
2: grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter. It ma- matters to Ramsdale because he wants to probably win the Golden Glove and he wants to, you know, goalkeepers sort of measure themselves on clean sheets, don't they? The same as strikers measure their success on on goals. So, yeah, he he is annoyed. I just think it's a case of we just got a little bit slack, we dropped too deep, didn't put enough pressure on the player when the cutback came and, and yeah, because we were a fraction slow to close him down, it's it's a deflection, isn't it? There's nothing he could do. I thought Ramsdale had a really good game, though. Um, in that first half, when Leeds, particularly via Somerville, were particularly dangerous, he he made three or four saves in the first half, one in the second, and and the pattern I noticed with the saves was standing big. So they were always going for the chip finish, and he it either hit his face or his body or his hands by his head. He was really standing tall, and I think he's um that's an area of his game that's improved massively.
3: Yeah. Uh, All right, anyway, um, one down, night to go. Uh, We're going to talk coping strategies next.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash Courtside to learn more. We better bit uh, with the handbrake at time.
3: This is Handbrake Off, uh, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic, Ian Stone, Amy Lawrence and Adrian Clark with you. Um, Nick Miller wrote a piece on the uh, website about how to cope <laughs> with the title race. Um I did speak to Amy about an hour and a half after the game on uh, Sunday, and uh, I'd been in the pub. I have to say, so I was reasonably well refreshed. Drink and uh, dialed, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're just decompressing, you know, a little bit. Um, Amy, I spoke to Amy, who said she'd started worrying about the Liverpool game about half an hour after the end of Leeds. Uh, and Tayo, who I was mentioned on the pod just before, said to me, he did. He had wondered if he'd actually enjoyed this season enough. I mean, Amy, half an hour is not, uh, not long enough, in my opinion. I mean, uh, uh, but I understand how you're coping. And there, there are, there's all sorts of stuff. Well, I'm not. on this am yeah. not.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, that's the point. I mean, I know you have to work after the games. You can't sneak away for an hour. We'll help you write the piece in the pub. <laughs> Bring the laptop. Uh, I'm sure we can I don't. I don't,
1: I don't work at every game. Um, I wasn't working for the Southampton game. But, um, no, it's... Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it's just trying to handle this, um, this balancing act between, you know, your, your optimistic hope, your enjoyment levels, which, you know, everything is there 100% to be enjoyed. And it's such fabulous fun this season. And, uh, and then there's just this absolute harrowing fear that's like, a, you know, in the pit of, of, of your stomach. Um, I guess that's the price you pay for wanting something a lot. If you don't want, don't care, then you don't, you know, it's the yin and yang thing. The more you, the more something just feels like the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, the more, uh, you know, horrendous it is to be, you know, sucked in by a tornado mm.
3: <laughs> i love listening to your you just your head the inside of your yeah, head when I you're do. talking about this stuff imagine I mean, being Nit- me it's such a pain in the arse <laughs> <laughs> i mean I, I i mean nick miller did right it was pretty funny he was it's talking about beast. stuff you can do you can stuff you can do to distract yourself yeah. uh, amy I uh, sorry amy adrian are you are you distracting yourself are you are you <laughs> sort of fully involved the whole time I and mean, you've got you've got you know young kids it's got, yeah, stuff to do. it's
2: quite easy for me to switch off because I've got, because I I'll never switch off. <laughs> I've got so much work to do. And if I'm not working, I'm, I've got to do stuff with the kids, which is obviously totally different. So, yeah, no, I do find it okay in terms of distracting myself. I think it is healthy. You can't keep thinking about it. Um, I'm determined to enjoy it. And how can you not enjoy this this season, with especially games at Emirates Stadium, just been phenomenal, haven't they? With the, the goals we're scoring, that's ten times now. By the way, we've scored at least three goals in a home match. We're averaging just shy of three goals a game at Emirates nice. Stadium. Um, yeah. Last season, I think we were averaging one point seven nine. Previous season, one point two six. So it's you know it is it is some difference. But no, you, yeah, you got to you got to switch off. You got to distract yourself. It's the sometimes the only way you can. You can sort of um, cope, otherwise your, your head would explode.
3: Well, quite. Uh, What's Amy, Amy, Amy what are okay. you holding I'm up? I'm holding yeah. up
1: a scrap of paper where last <laughs> night I started to put the remaining fixtures for Arsenal Man City <laughs> down according to, like, when they happen. In other words, <laughs> who goes first. and ha- I, I was basically trying to... The, the starting point was when's Man City's game in hand and then I realised it hasn't actually been put in the diary yet, which is, uh, no. which no. is, because I, you know, there's something about this game in hand. And actually, I think that the longer it, it's not happening, the, the 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 healthier it is for Arsenal, because I think it's okay. a lot easier to be relaxed and less tense for the players, you know, if they feel they've got this this sort of, even if it's semi-imaginary cushion, you know. I mean, yes, it's real, but obviously it can be changed. And I thought if, for example, Man City had that game in hand and won it pretty soon, like let's say it was happening this midweek, then Arsenal go to Anfield with five points knowing that if that goes wrong it can be two points like very very quickly
2: and and the, and the pressure on City as well Amy it intensifies the closer you get to the finishing line where that game in hand becomes a, a match they have really have to win yeah um, and
1: it's Brighton away,
2: so it's not an easy
1: fixture you know they're, no. a, they're a very strong opponent for anybody uh, she says hopefully
3: but um <laughs> It's Are we watching their games, by the way? Are we? Did you? I, I watched their game on Saturday morning. Are you, did Amy? You're saying no. Adrian, did you watch their game? Well, game? I was
2: I was prepping for for our match and and our show, so I didn't really give it a proper proper look. In general, where I can afford for work purposes not to watch them, I would choose not to, just just because it's the hope that kills you. isn't it? it's, the, it's hoping that the other team score. It's just not a healthy place to be, really. No, uh, I'd, ra- I'd rather just wait and see the score afterwards. I- in a way, even the Spurs guy, I, d- I, s- I did watch the the game against Tottenham, where Tottenham didn't they lead two 0 and then did a Spursy collapse, and and even then I just knew that City were going to come back, and it, uh, yeah, I couldn't take much pleasure from the whole thing.
3: All right, so uh, so next point, avoid over Schadenfreude. you know, don't don't. Crow too much about Tottenham. I'm definitely not following that one. I'm enjoying every (laughs) second of their suffering. (laughs) Genuinely, I'm getting almost as much joy from that as I am from watching the Arsenal.
2: Uh, I um, did also. I did, by the way, just before we came on air, I tweeted. About Man United, had a little dig at Man United, and and then then I I saw this in our running order, and I thought, oh, I've done the wrong thing here, you know, but (laughs) you know, having a pop at Man U. Well, the thing is, we got we got battered for being soft for years and years and years, and not and quite justifiably at times. You know, we can't lie, we weren't we weren't the most robust on the road their their record against the top 9 away from home is, oh is my a God. stinker. terrible. Is a seven. St-
3: they've lost all seven and they've got two to go.
2: Um and they've conceded, you know, so many goals. Yet no one seems to be calling Ten Hag's man United soft. So I just chuck that one out there, but maybe I did the wrong thing. Maybe you shouldn't No.
3: That's <laughs> a really good point actually. You think about the amount of stick we took over the years. I think that's absolutely right. Um I've sti- I've still
1: yet to see anyone have a kind of like a, 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 ca- a counting up of the amount of years since they won a trophy like Arsenal did when it when it was the well
3: it's about four years. weeks <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> since they won their last one Amy I should say that. No, no I'm not they talking about Man United I'm talking about oh, the history sorry. of football in general like it was only really the years you know uh, in between what 2005 and uh 2014 that there was this Five years without a trophy, six years without a trophy, that seven years true. without a trophy. I've never seen that for any other other club.
3: Have you? No. No. And no, I suppose because because I mean just to give the alternative point of view, it's because Arsene Wenger was still there. Because often these teams will change their managers, but I absolutely agree. We we are there is there is a a, a whole uh, agenda against Arsenal and always has been. <laughs> 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 um, the final statement, by the way, in the piece was: uh, "Allow yourself to believe." I mean, I mean, is that is that. <laughs> It's, uh, that's what I've been doing, but I am obviously insanely optimistic. I mean, ta- I said again, I saw Tao in the pub and he said, "Oh, well, you've been like that all season," dismissively. But it's, it, we all have our coping strategies, and, and so is uh, your optimism a coping strategy? Serious question. No, it's not. It's right. not. It's just. It isn't. It's just. I have. I. I. I like being this way. I've always been. This way about about everything, and obviously it means that sometimes I've had to face crushing disappointment. But you know, we all have to face crushing disappointment, (laughs) and I just and I'll deal with it when I deal with it. But it is, but right now it it helps me to enjoy the whole thing. I think uh, I think it's possible to enjoy the
1: ride to the maximum, but also feel cautious. I don't think you have to, you know, be running around like. (laughs) Grinning
3: from ear to ear. No, you know, sc- uh, no. I've, I've picked my place at the town hall. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the, I've got I've, honestly I've, the whole season. I'm just I'm so happy. I've, I'm sort of walking around with this sort of glow, yeah, yeah. glow it's of just success. To be part of. Yeah, it's it's that's enough for me to keep going. The only part of the week and. I where I feel a little bit on edge is the morning of a match, and then, uh, and but when we get to the game, I'm I'm a little bit calmer. But yeah, the morning of the match, especially last weekend, I, I did feel a little bit that that feeling of dread. What if it goes wrong? But but yeah, it didn't. So no. it's all good.
3: All good so far.
0: This episode is supported by season three of FX's Welcome to Wrexham.
2: We better beat uh, with the handbrake at time.
3: Now, Arsenal women beat Man City women 2-1. If you haven't, by the way, seen uh, Katie McCabe's goal, it is an absolutely brilliant, brilliant goal. Just comes in uh, off the right and just buries it in the top corner. It's two worldies for the Arsenal women in about four days. Um, Art de Roche was at the game uh, at Boreham Wood and he sent us this little voice note.
4: Hi, guys. Hope everyone's Monday morning is going well. Obviously, it's art for people who can't recognise the voice. Um, And yeah, just uh, reacting off the back of the Arsenal women's uh, win over Manchester City. I thought it was quite interesting going into the game with what's happened so far this calendar year. Obviously, beating them in uh, in the Conte Cup semi-finals and then losing the league game a couple of months ago at the Academy Stadium. I thought it was just really interesting how, I guess, that midfield worked without Kim Little as well. Obviously, injured against Bayern in the weekend. You could kind of see it took them a while to get to grips with the game. I thought Yui uh, Hasegawa was unreal for Manchester City in midfield, almost doing the job that Kim Little does for them, for Arsenal, for Manchester City. And I just thought Marnham and Williamson, as the game went on, got a bit more combative aggressive and that's what really turned the game around for Arsenal before they got their goals and as you say I think Katie McCabe obviously <laughs> in a boot after the Bayern game on Wednesday on crutches and then uh, comes up to score a winner like that and play for 80 minutes on a yellow card as well I thought it was quite fitting that she was the one to kind of settle the score for Arsenal and it It was funny speaking to her after the game because she showed us her left boot, which still had the the hole from the stud that uh, injured her against Bayern. So it was just a crazy kind of day, really. And obviously now Arsenal's still in that uh, WSL title race. Chelsea did win later in the day. So at the minute, it's United top on 41 points. And Chelsea and Arsenal both have a game in hand, 14th. 38 points respectively so the title race goes on for, for another few weeks but yeah i hope you guys enjoyed um watching if you watched and listening if you're listening right now so yeah i'll see you guys later bye-bye
3: that was uh, art de roche uh, just in case you doubted, <laughs> but it was him. Uh, if you're not watching Arsenal women, I understand we've only got so much bandwidth for football and it's hard not to think about the men's team uh, with what's going on. But something really special is brewing with the women's team. Uh, they've got one trophy already and they're going for two. the two biggies. Uh, they were 1-0 down to city at half-time. Should have been more. Tired from the Champions League on the Wednesday in the North London derby the week before and they fought back to win 2-1. Adrian, mm. they're favourites for the title. Probably
2: well, Chelsea is Chelsea is still doing their thing. I think so. Look, it's, it's still a four way title race. It's amazing, um, but yeah, I think I think the way that they came back in this match was was really promising because of the fatigue, the mental physical fatigue of the big matches that had come before to come. City
3: so should have been two or yeah, three up to
2: come from. Yeah, exactly. And they Arsenal weren't really with it in that first half, but they found a way and they dug deep and they got. A superb victory against the most informed team in the WSL. So, yeah, that is that is some injection of self-belief that, that McCabe's rocket into the top corner has given the team. It's really exciting for them.
3: Quite. Um, if you want to hear a more detailed breakdown of, of that game and all the women's games, uh, listen to the Athletic Women's uh, Football podcast. But um, I'm just thinking of the celebration uh, at the end of the season, if it all goes how we hope it goes for all of us. Amy's just put her head in her hands. I can enjoy the thought. It's how I'm dealing with it, all right? It's how I'm dealing it's with trucker it. It's trucker, trucker
2: overload, isn't it, this season at the club? Of course it is. Of
3: course, club, it, is, of course <laughs> it is. Absolutely wonderful. Let's have a song uh, before we go. Um Amy? I'm going to let you go first as I took your baby names uh, (laughs) (laughs) idea, the Gabriels, Gabriels. So what have you got for us? If you forgive me a little bit of self-indulgence, I'd like to uh,
1: honour and pay tribute to one of my absolute musical heroes, Ryuichi Sakamoto, uh, who recently died, was one of the absolute musical maestros of our lifetime. If you've never come across his music maybe find a playlist and uh, stick it on in the background while you're doing something, because he was a truly special... He was a pioneer um, musically. He, sort of coming from Japan, he managed to somehow infuse his kind of Eastern, subtle musical heritage with all sorts of collaborations from people from Europe, people from Africa, people from Brazil, A, a, a miraculous... Uh, composer, pianist and pop pop star as well with electronic music. Uh, he did some ambient stuff and he m- was responsible for some of the most beautiful film scores you could ever hear in your life. A legend. So thank you. Arigato to Ruichi. And I'm going to choose a song called Before Long because I suppose before long, we're going to know how all this pans out.
3: Lovely. Uh, Adrian? Goes. I'm I'm imagining you're not going for a Japanese I'm not going for no, no. <laughs> I'm
2: not I'm going to go for a band that I have seen live at uh, on the festival scene back in the day a little bit crazy I used to sort of dive into the crowd I think if if I remember rightly. the Flaming Lips um quite a fun band and and yeah one of their sort of one of their most famous songs is is Do You Realize and it's it's about making good things last and focusing on the positive it's it's about those coping mechanisms it's what we're all going through at the moment it's it's sort of a life is short enjoy the moment do you realize how good this is and how you know we just got to soak it up and and it's it's quite a, it's a nice song actually i think i think a lot of the listeners might might enjoy it so yeah flaming lips do you realize
3: love the sentiment uh, i'm going for uh, Tim Buck 3 the future's so bright Brackets. I've got to wear shades because um, I feel like it is at the moment. And it's also, by the way, for uh, James and Camille's baby as well. Congratulations to them! Uh, and thanks for listening. Uh, thank you to Abby, uh, our producer. Thanks to Amy and Adrian. I've been Ian Stone. This has been Handbrake Off the Arsenal Podcast, brought to you by the Athletic.